Michael Vincent, the dude, and brother, it can't rain all the time, can it? It's been nonstop here. I think it can, man. And <laughs> yes, indeedy, dude, it's a rain-sicked Monday from Freight uh, Alley. Uh, you know what? That was nice. So there's no guilt for sitting around all weekend watching no. football. And football beautiful. is back. That great Penn State game that was on uh, with big whiteout conditions. Oh, I yeah, mean, yeah, nothing yeah. says fall than uh, Penn State looking like that. Yeah. Penn State whiteout with Auburn. With great Auburn. Game. Last night, one of the greatest regular season games I think I've ever seen, which was the Ravens versus the, the Chiefs. I mean, man, that was great. He, took to, he really took over, too. It was Lamar a Jackson. great game. I was watching. I was all excited, and my power went out at the fourth, in the fourth. So, you know. Wonderful stuff. Well, <laughs> if you liked hearing about a record 65-plus container ships at Anchor in the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach last week, you're going to love hearing about a record 70-plus container ships this week because as of yesterday, we, get, we went over that 71 mark. Plus, we're going to get into rail safety. Great Shark, he's going to score some Driver Appreciation Week promos. Nice. And we're going to talk about escalating carrier losses. But first, let's tip the band. Autonomous trucks are coming with a huge potential windfall if you're ready to seize it. Start re-engineering your supply chain for autonomy today. Contact Locomation at Locomation AI for turnkey solutions. Let's get to the headlines. Let's do it. All right, let's kick it off with uh, with the... I don't know if it's big news. I feel like these records are going to keep breaking. So it's like when you go 55 plus and 65 plus yeah. and 70. Well, here it is. Yeah. 71 oh, ships. Wait, there's more. <laughs> 71 ships, at least as of yesterday. This could be piling up even more right now. I haven't checked the, uh, the vessel map in a minute. But 71 ships in San Pedro Bay this weekend. But there may be a slight glimmer of hope as ports are going to extend hours. So Lars Jensen. Lars Jensen, if you guys don't follow him on LinkedIn, I recommend it. But he yeah, he uh, he broke this down pretty well, too. And why I keep saying, you know, we sound like broken records talking about this vessel escalation. But he breaks it down like this. 11 days ago, he was on vacation. We had 44 vessels at anchor. Six days ago, the count was 54 vessels. Five days ago, 59 vessels. Two days ago, the count was 50. Sorry, it was 64 vessels. The Wall Street Journal's Paul Page estimates that there's at least 600,000 TEUs on the, on the water right now. That's 20-foot containers. If you took those right, you stuck them end-to-end, that's 2,272 miles of containers, which would stretch you all the way from the Port of Los Angeles to the Port of Savannah. That is unbelievable. And uh, uh, Eric Coolidge, she's reporting that facing an unprecedented shipping crisis, the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach on Friday announced their intent to extend their operating hours, Dooner. They're going to extend the operating hours at their truck gates to reduce the massive back, backlog of containers that are gumming up everything in manufacturing, agricultural supplies, everything else. Port of Long Beach is drawing up a pilot program for dredge trucks to retrieve and return containers at night. Nighttime. Wow. They're going to drive trucks at night, my friend. Well, this is good news. They're getting out of control now. Wow. Well, They're putting lights on the trucks apparently now so they can operate 24-7. Well, they, they might need to. I mean, it's that drastic. Yes. <laughs> well, the news, however, it came, right? It came with few details of how this extra access would be carried out, who's going to bear the cost, what the logistics were, right? The logistics yeah. that we all need to know. And the measure, it may have... Um, in immediate, it, it may not have an immediate impact on the gridlock that's gripping ports right now. And there's a few reasons for this. One of them is that there's already chassis issues. There's yes. there's issues with getting yeah. trucks in there. Um, there's uh, there's the the 
the limitations of the port itself and getting these appointments set up. There's also just getting shippers aware of these extended hours too and carriers aware of these extended hours so they know to take advantage of them and drivers know to take advantage of them. You listening to this know about it, but spreading awareness is a little bit harder than that. Yeah, it's a little bit. Yeah, I make fun of it out of it a little bit because it's like, well, really? <laughs> Extending hours, you think? But uh, yeah, it's a little bit uh, more difficult to do that at a port than, than elsewhere. Uh, Los Angeles, I mean, sorry, Long Beach Deputy Director, he told American Shipper, he says, uh, given the magnitude of the cargo volumes we're seeing, every segment of the supply chain needs to maximize their hours of operation. And he's, he's just saying here that, you know, the Port of Long Beach, we can go to 24-7, but if every other link in the chain doesn't step up, we're still going to have the same problems. Yeah. So yeah. take advantage of it, if you're, especially if you're willing to get some of those 24-7 bookings. Uh, contact Port of Los Angeles, Port of Long Beach, see what they got going on. I think they're waiving pair, pair pass as well, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Carriers, though, carriers are aware of this, so we don't have to spread awareness. A lot of some carriers are aware of this. They're heading west for a modern-day gold rush of freight. Zach Strickland, he had his uh, great chart of the week over the weekend, and he was looking into this breakdown, and, he's, and what the sonar data is showing is that carriers have a clear preference in terms of where they are trying to position themselves in the U.S., and it illustrates the unbalanced transportation capacity that's going on right now. In fact, loads traveling more than 800 miles, those are considered long-haul loads, to yeah. the West Coast have been rejected at nearly half the rate of other regions in the continental U.S. over the past two months. Long-haul is used to eliminate loads that move um, into region or intra-region, I should say. As long as the freight market remains as polarized as the U.S. political system, capacity will be an issue, which could lead to even higher rates because of these network imbalances. Yeah, absolutely. We call it the ping-pong effect. You can see it on the maps where the tightening and loosening goes on, but the spot rates for loads moving to L.A. from Dallas, so Dallas to L.A., have increased, or uh, yeah, they've increased uh, $2 per mile from L.A. to Dallas, right? Now, going the other way, Dallas back to L.A., only 40 cents, because that's the desirable thing over since May 2020. Those are the movements. $2 out, 40 cents back in because that's where they want to go. The problem with this setup is that most of the large cities no longer produce materials or goods or raw materials that ship back into the West Coast. Mm. It's all coming out. That means carriers will either sit for a long period of time or have to drive to find more freight to come back into the West as the imbalance grows so does the rate disparity. And you can see it right there, the growth in those rates. Yeah, you know, and one thing people keep saying is like, why don't you just divert? Why don't you go into Mexico and bring it up through the border? Why don't you go into Canada and bring it down? Why don't you go to Oakland? Um, Home Depot's bringing a charter into San Diego, by the way. Why don't you do yeah. all of these things? Well, I sold freight during the last port crisis. And one of the things is that it's very hard to get shippers, A, to want to make that switch to go to sure. Oakland. Um, it's hard to get carriers to want to service there as well because of the way that that the system is set up. For example, the LA market is home to one of the largest warehousing and distribution center complexes in the country, known as the Inland Empire. Yes. Most of the nation's shippers own or operate facilities in that space, making it a hotspot for surface transportation activities. So right now, supply chain is so centered around it, and a lot of shippers are looking at this as maybe not a long-term problem. I'm not saying that that thinking is right, but that's why it is not so easy to just flip a switch. You cannot just flip switches in supply chain and all of a sudden say, okay, I'm bringing all my freight now, all this volume of freight all the way up to Oakland or Vancouver or Mexico, wherever it may be. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. All the infrastructure has been built up over years and years and years, decades 
uh, centuries, yeah. uh, if, you, if you will, to run very, very efficiently like this is. And in two years of this disruption is not going to change. You can't just up and move warehouses and lay down new tracks for intermodal. Well, see, you know, and we, everyone wore the tires out on the term new normal, right? Yeah. The, during the early days of the pandemic, new normal, everyone got sick of it. You know, kind of like banned the phrase new normal. But actually, we've been in this pandemic state so long, in this freight state for so long, that we actually kind of are in that actual new normal that people were referring to a year ago. And if it persists, then maybe you'll see some shippers make some big changes. But, you know, a lot of the ones that we have talked to, they're, you know, they're like, yeah, yeah, we're doing this and that, but yeah. not huge wide sweeping changes yet because it takes a lot. It's a huge investment. Yeah, it's, it's like trying to move the Ever Ace or, or pilot the Ever Given through the Suez. Yeah. You remember on, uh, you can't overreact, man, right? Are you crashing? You remember on 90210 when uh, Brenda had to decide, or Dylan had to decide between, um, between Brenda and Kelly? Well, well, I do. Dylan had to, we, Dylan we, had to decide between Brenda and Kelly. Well, in this situation, uh, no, I'm, I'm no, serious I right bet, now. I bet Dylan we is ask K Greg okay. Sharkey later, she'll know. She will know because Dylan is KCS, right? CP okay. is who did he pick anyway? Was it Brenda or Kelly? Grace I will have to get me. I, I'm, I'm going to say know. that he picked Kelly. He picked Kelly. So CP is Kelly okay. and uh, CN right. is Brenda. I'm All right. Confused. So Joanna Marsh reports <laughs> with the love triangle between Kansas City Southern, CN, and Canadian Pacific behind them, KCS and CP are forging ahead with seeking opportunities to expand service and volumes for intermodal and automotive and grain volumes, among other things. I remember that episode. That's when they were trying to make a single line service from the Great Lakes. <laughs> into Mexico and Canada to untap investment and attract manufacturers. Isn't that what they were trying to do? But that, that's what, anyways, KCS uh, president and CEO Pat... Then the mob blew up Dylan's morning. dad on the boat. Did you ever see that episode? Yeah, well, of course. Yeah. I watched every one of them. Okay. I've got the series at home. Not the remake, right? I've got it on VHS. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Pat Otensmeyer, president and CEO at KCS, says, hey, running a, a single line from Great Lakes into Mexico and Canada, running that whole thing right there, is going to attract investment and, and, and manufacturers and be really good for their employees, et cetera, and it's a good thing to, to be happening. We think this benefits our employees by enabling us to become a larger and growing continental enterprise, is what Otensmeyer said. Yeah, they said that they want to become the Maersk of Canada. They want to replicate what Maersk has done. And that yeah. is really taking over that intermodal scene. So really connecting the ports to the rail to the trucking and doing it in a uh, hopefully a much more sensible way than what's going on today at the ports. Yeah. But you know what? We got our, we got our first guest. He's on the line. It oh, awesome. is Craig Lineauer, and he is in Inland Marine Claims Manager over at Travelers. And, you know, if this gentleman looks familiar to you, it is because right around a year, I believe it was last fall, we had him on the show, and he was telling us all about what was going on in the, uh, the Marine Claims line. And now today, Craig... You're here. It's been a while. You know, it's been a while since you've been a guest. Welcome back. Our audience, though, they would love to know a little about your background and your role at Travelers. Yeah, so it's great to be here, first of all. Um, I continue to manage transportation claims and litigation countrywide uh, for the Travelers in the, in the Marine Insurance line. And in this line, we insure goods in transit as well as legal, the legal liability of our insurers. Um, and these include motor carriers, freight brokers, freight forwarders, and also warehouse operators. So I'm still doing what I was doing the last time I talked to you guys. I've been with travelers in this capacity for about 10 years now. And before that, I worked as a transportation attorney. <clears throat> Excellent stuff. Great. Thank you so much for that, Craig. And again, hey, welcome back from, from, from me. Today, we want to learn a little bit more about some of those larger losses that the industry has been experiencing lately. Can you tell us what's going on in this space? Yeah, well, sure. I mean, in short, it's the pandemic, right? The, the industry 
has seen a dramatic uptick in e-commerce transaction pandemic. We were all in lockdown for a long time and people started to shop more and more online. So this increase in e-commerce combined with, of course, port blockages and labor shortage, et cetera, some of the stuff you guys have talked about here today has caused a major strain on the supply chain. And, you know, it quickly overwhelmed traditional delivery networks. So, I mean, look, the pandemic pretty much has turned the global supply chain on its head. And that's really not surprising given what we've experienced. And and honestly, the supply chains are still readjusting. So what we've seen in, in the industry really is, is, is warehouses and distribution centers, especially um, not being able to meet obligations to turn goods around. And, and they've started to fall behind. Wow. So in falling behind, what has been some of the fallout of that? You know, it, it sounds bad, but what's the uh, what's been the impact? Yeah. So the impact is probably an increase in litigation. You know, there's been an uptick in that. Um, and just just contentious sort of claims um, being made against um, these distribution centers and these three PLs and, and also warehousemen. Yeah. So uh, what's the moral of this story, Craig? What do we take away from this? Well, I mean, the moral of the story really is, um, and I is you know you need to know what's in your contract, right? Uh, does it properly limit your liability exposure for damage to goods? You live and die by what's in your contract. And, and a lot of the contracts that we're seeing these days are very, very old. It's really high time to take a good look at them legally. You know, if you're a motor carrier, this, this should really matter to you because you're strictly liable for damage to goods that you accept in haul without proof of fault. But the law gives you the ability to limit that liability via contract. So, so really, I think the moral of the story and really a lot of what we've learned from so many issues during this pandemic is get your contracts right, take the time now to review them. Um, this is going to protect you down the road when things go sideways later. And, um, and that's really the moral of the story. So, Craig, would you, what time frame should I look at as far as I need to start you know, redoing this? You know, I, I changed my air filter. Yeah. I just marked on the holidays <laughs> when the next one. When should I be reviewing my stuff? How often should I be doing yeah, I mean, really, you should be looking at that annually or at least every two years. But what's surprising is as we see these losses, you know, during the last two years during the pandemic, it was really striking that some of the contracts were 2015, 2016. And, and as, as you've mentioned here today, you know, the pandemic has turned everything upside down. Uh, the supply strain, et cetera, has just created a volume, a volume that's, you know, it's the new normal. It's out of this world. And a lot of the contracts that are pre-pandemic, they just don't contemplate this reality that we're in right now. So if you're looking to limit your liability, um, it's very important that your, that your contract is current and tight. Wow. Well, well Craig, before we, we let you go, anything else that, that you should be mindful of when, when dealing with these large losses or anything that's on the horizon that, that your clients should keep an eye out for? No, I mean, really just uh, what we wanted to pass along is it's, it's really time just to review your, your, you know, your business model and, and especially your contracts. I mean, those are What's going to limit your exposure? I mean, a lot of folks out there uh, are moving, for example, you know, goods that might be worth $400,000, maybe in the form of an industrial machine. You know, you can limit that properly, uh, that liability of 10 cents per pound, let's say. But, but if you don't do it the right way, you know, so, for example, uh, in that scenario, your, your industrial machine that you're hauling that, that weighs 50,000 pounds, even though the actual value of it is $400,000, if it were to, you know, to become destroyed, the, the value of it would be your exposure would be roughly five thousand dollars, you know, at that limitation that's in the contract. So, but to do that, obviously, to avail yourself of that, you need to make sure that your contract is legally tight, 
and its current to survive any challenges. So yeah, yeah no, that's my recommendation these... to everybody. Go ahead. I was going to say these are these are valuable lessons. You know, we, we've heard some Absolutely. really valuable stuff about these large losses that customers are, are facing during the pandemic. And, you know, great point also about, you know, we're in a, we're in a different timeline now than we were. And if you haven't reviewed things your policy as we've yeah. entered it, of course, like it's a great idea to go and check it out. Uh, great lessons here today. Craig, thanks for talking to us. Where do people go to get some more information? You can go to traveler, Travelers.com. Thank look you very much. Look us up online. Cool. Well, hey, Craig, th thanks again. Maybe we'll hopefully we have you back in less than a year next time. So take it easy, sir. We uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that, would be, with, that would be great. Thanks yeah. for having me. Sorry. Get take in touch care. with Craig and check out that uh, check out your insurance. Just mark it down on your calendar. Every time you change your air filters at home, check out your insurance with Craig. Yeah, it's a big deal. Well, yeah, great. No, it's a big deal. Grace Sharkey, she's yeah. a reporter over here at Freightways. Grace, you and I were pizza twins a couple weeks ago. How sublime is that Domino's pizza tracker? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, I read that they're a technology company and they're not a pizza company. So uh, they're definitely killing it. And it was funny. I was telling him uh, they actually made me come down into the alleyway of my lobby to get the pizza, which is pretty normal. But that wasn't good enough for them. And they ended up giving me a free pizza. So that excellent service all around. That's for sure. Wow. Look, I'll tell you a coupon we yeah. execute in the Dooner House. Grace, we, we get the like the two large pizzas. I think it's like twenty two ninety nine. You get two large okay. two topping pizzas. The kids, my kids like the regular crust. They just go like regular cheese crust. I go the Brooklyn style crust though, and I go half pineapple because I'm the only maniac what? in the house that wants the pineapple. So I just go half half pineapple. You aren't maniac. I am. It's just half pineapple. <laughs> That's not pizza. Not even bacon. Grace, come on. No, I will have a vegetarian, so I can't pizza. put bacon on there. So it's three yeah. three toppings per. Yeah, but we just go cheese. That's so, like, what I was going to say. The kids just go cheese, yeah, cheese, go, and cheese, right? They just go cheese. Yeah, they just, they just go cheese. <laughs> and Grace, it was Driver Appreciation Week last week. Some companies did a great job. Some companies did a not so great job. Some companies didn't do anything. Some companies did a lot of things. Let's go through some of these promotions that you covered in your weekend article, which is the logbook. I recommend you all. If you like the content on this show, you're going to love the logbook. Check it out every weekend from Grace Sharkey. But the first one here that I was looking at in your article was one that we covered on the show. We had Sage Robinson on. They were yes, talking we about their virtual appreciation bulletin board and sweepstakes. And there's a couple of developments about that afterwards. After, oh, really? we, after we had them on, yeah. he was telling me, it was probably 100% because of what the truck, he was telling me the promotion went over so well that they increased it. I think it was like $10,000 to $100,000 when extended the days. Well, they, they increased it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. originally it was 25000 for every comment that they would yeah. put a buck up to twenty five. They increased it to hundred k. Yeah. It was totally us. It was us. Awesome. Great. And maybe Grace, too. Grace, tell us about the promotion. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it was us. Let's go ahead and take that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so what was really cool is, uh, so they had two different uh, ways of, of helping drivers. They had their originally $50,000 um, amount that they were giving out, I think, 10 times a day, $1,000 yeah. per every carrier within their sweepstakes. That is the one that they doubled. So that went from 50 to 100, and they're continuing it this week. And then they kept open the $25,000 uh, Robinson uh, Foundation donation as well. So every person can still go on their website today, thank their favorite drivers, and they will also be donating uh, more towards St. Chris, uh, Christopher. So uh, I really love that way of doing it because one it allows you know if i if my father or someone was actually a truck driver i'd love a, a way for me to go and recognize them and also show them hey this is going to give to charity as well um uh, but it's even cooler to see a company like that who i think has a, a really good relationship with the carriers they work with is also handing out 
multiple, not just one huge sweepstakes, but 10 a day, $1,000, which we all know that that's uh, a a trip, a a day trip that they don't have to take. Maybe you can go home and spend more time with their family. So uh, I think that's a really cool way of giving back, especially being that large of an, an enterprise as well. Grace, did Dylan pick Brenda or did he pick Kelly? <laughs> so I uh, I love that you think I'm that old, but unfortunately I was under five when that show came oh. out. And I I grew up on more of the gossip girl end. So oh. I can't even tell you what happened in the reboot. To be you honest. just know OC <laughs> drama, maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I choose Tori Spelling, I guess. Whatever. <laughs> that was Donna. That was Donna. Don- okay. Yeah. So, she was so- a bag, Brian Austin Green. You know, Brian Austin, he's yeah. a lot like Trey Griggs. He rapped a lot. You know, he was trying to get his like rap career going. Actually, one of the funniest episodes that Brian Austin Green, I, I hope this has never happened to Trey, but he had his mixtape, right? And he left yeah. it. Uh, on his dashboard, yeah, in like the California sun, it melted his mixtape. Oh. So he's, you know, he's he's going into the record label. Whatever to get could signed. he do? He had to go rap in person. Oh, he had no. to like go off the dome. But then that's when they saw how good he was because he could oh, just okay. like freestyle. So he's rapping straight off his he head. Could just, yeah, like right that. He the, just turn it on like a faucet. Straight out the cranium. Just turn it on like that. Nice. Rhymes nice. like freight. Wow, you guys are so far off the rails. Uh, it's not even funny. Well, Michael Vincent, so, because, uh, no, I'm excited. Gracie, did this wait, was wait, your wait, favorite wait, one, right? I want to know. Crazy. Gracie, did C.H. Robinson get a, a Sharky Award or a Snarky Award for for what they did for Drebber Appreciation? Thumbs oh up or goodness. thumbs down? I I need to trademark that. That is so clever. Uh, we're going Sharky all the way. That's a Sharky right. word for sure. No love Snarky it. there. That is actually my two different moods. This is a Sharky or Snarky, so I love that. I recognized. <laughs> I recognized that. Well, hey, how about Transix? This was a really cool one. They were doing like a pimp my truck, pimp my cab kind of I thing. I love this. Um, we have like some before and after pictures of what happened here, but tell us about what happened, what the promotion was about. Because we lost Grace's audio there oh. for a second. We're going to bring her back up. You heard we that. We uh, don't want to lose that her. Out. Well, we'll have her back up in a minute. Um, we as we're waiting for her to get back up. So this deal is pretty cool. So transportation solution provider Transfix, they announced last Wednesday that 22-year-old trucker was Debbie Disidorado. She won the Transfix Fix My Rig sweepstakes, receiving that full cab renovation from Jason Cameron, star of CBS Celebrity Secret Celebrity nice. Renovation. You watched that show? Uh, no, I don't, but I like the renovation shows, and Desiderato is my favorite Eagles tune. Well, <laughs> well, here's what he said. <laughs> Sophie Dow, she's the uh, chief commercial officer at Transfix. She said, we're so thrilled to celebrate Debbie and the millions of hardworking truck drivers who we rely on every day to undertake one of our economy's best and most demanding jobs. It's an honor and a privilege to work alongside with those true heroes. Now, what do you think? Did they, you think they did enough with that cab reno, though? You know, I, I would like to know more behind it because, I mean, what do they got the, what is, is that the Australian flag right well, can there? Can we is see she, the before? One more, she let's, let's go and before like and after. Let's get to the before. That's the after. Let's look at the before right here. That's the before. Yeah. Okay, yeah. No, they did a lot there. They yeah. did a lot there. So the amount of work and stuff like that is cool. But the meaning behind a lot of that. So if you can see the flag and the, and the uh, guitar, the axe, just kind of sitting there on that bed, and they've obviously displayed that stuff. But the meaning behind that's got to be pretty significant, I would think. Yeah, let's, let's throw us the after one more time. We'll take there one more go. look at that. Yeah, they got a nice throw pillow in there. You're right. They got the guitar. They got the flag hanging up. And it's got a nice frame about it. That's really cool. One of the other cool ones, and we actually have some of these cards here, was from Convoy. They have these Hall Stars 
Wars. Oh, yeah, yeah, You got yeah, yeah. yours right here? Yeah, I got mine. So Convoy, right, their digital freight network provider, they were like, they were doing its annual National Truck Driver Appreciation Week for its third year. And uh, it announced 15 winners. And they made this deck of cards. I, I imagine there's 15 cards here based on performance metrics. Winners were selected um, through this program. And it, it's through their uh, hundreds of their highest performers. I got a picture of the card right there. Let's take a look at it. So that one right there, as you can see, it's got a little box score on there. It tells you a little bit about the trucking company. It's all about honoring some of their best partners. All 15 of these winners, they got the deck. They got five, They got a $500 Convoy fuel car. They got Convoy merchandise. And they got a personal note from Dan Lewis and Grant Goodell, the founders of Convoy. They had this to say. This is uh, Goodell, Convoy's chief experience officer. He says, yeah, yeah. for decades, truck drivers have delivered goods and materials that make our everyday life possible. For every item in our homes, there's a truck driver on the front loading, uh, hauling, and unloading goods night and day throughout the pandemic. These awards are a fun way to showcase some of the best truck drivers on the roads of America. Now, I have mine here. What, what do you I, like? I got the I got mine right here. These are awesome, by the way. But I would have to say, Grant, um, you got to give these away like in a pack with gum because they don't smell like the gum. Remember, you get the, the baseball card. You were a baseball card Greek, weren't you? Of course, I was. And you a, were a well, massive. You had to one. have them. You had to have some of them, right? They smell like gum. Yeah, I got some really good ones in here. What do you got here? I've got uh, CMD Corrales Trucking Corporation. Now, check this out: six hundred and thirty-two loads, a hundred percent app score, and one hundred percent on-time score. Beat that. Southeast Division champs. Ooh. Well, that's a good CMD one. Carlos Trucking. Boom. Well, I'll right tell you there. what. I'll tell you what, I'll make a trade with you. I got so I got the rook, I got a rookie of the year card. If you laminate this thing, this is gonna be big money. Take yeah, a picture, make that? an NFT big lam- money. Who's the rookie of the year? This is congratulations to Triple C and D Father and Son Transportation Service. They they won they won it right here. It says rookie of the year as a new carrier at convoy in 2021. Whoa. You showed all the fans what the future holds. You earned the crown for most loads hauled by a new carrier, all while staying on time. A star is born is born. Their first shipment was January 13th of this year. So they didn't even have to go a full year. They had all-time volume 320. 23 loads uh, app you score 93 percent of booked through there and they only canceled three percent of loads and wow, not Central bad Reading. for rookies good good rookie card well, what's there, your man? strongest card there i think that's yeah i think C, cmd carlos trucking corporation at the 100 that's pretty good but i'll tell you what 100 percent on time what's better i'll ask you guys i'll ask you this and grace i'll ask you this what's better 632 loads 100 percent app use 100 percent on time which is cmd carlos trucking southeast division champions or northeast division champions 1,333 loads at 99% on time. What's better? Ooh. I mean. Honestly, honestly, I'll go with the second one. More loads. A little bit on. You know, you hit a uh, maybe a train or something. You're being safe, so you weren't on time. But I do like the fall-off percentage. As a previous broker, the fall-off percentage is the one that would either make or break my day. So uh, as much as I like the on-timeness, we all know at the end of the day, as long as you stay on the load, we can usually figure it out. All right. All right. Well, okay. So here's one. So JW Logistics, dedicated hitter card, 1,100 loads, 1% fall off. That's Beautiful. strong. Oh. That's pretty strong. That's strong. pretty strong. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. But how about this? How about this? How about this one? Founders Trophy, National Trucking Services, Inc., all-time volume, 5,363 loads, 90% wow. on-time score, and only a 3% fall off with all those loads. Three percent fall off is solid. Yeah. That is solid. Nine percent yeah. on time or ninety percent app usage. Uh, what was it? No, ninety percent on time, three percent fall off score. It's not bad. Not bad truck, at all. That's not bad at all. Not bad. You might get a few yeah. chargebacks with the ninety percent, but still really good. Grace, yeah. shark, sharky or yeah. snarky, sharky or snarky. You know what? 
I want to go with a half shark, half snarky because oh. I don't have the physical cards and oh. I really want those now. Yeah. <laughs> so you're a pay to play. You're pay to play for you can yeah. buy that yeah, sharky exactly. award, right? I get it. Yeah, That's exactly. all right. Own it. Just own it. Own it. That's right. Okay. <laughs> and then your last one here. Uh, what, what did light text do? It looked like they kind of made a playlist. I, I want to almost give this a snarky award, but you tell me why it's a good one. Uh, so <laughs> I will say it's an interesting way of going about it. So Lytics uh, released their own playlist, which uh huge Spotify fan. That's how I listen to all my music. Uh, and you know, Dooner, that I used to call you on Sirius every couple Saturdays. Cause I like to go on a nice drive on Saturday, go for a hike. And I actually listened to this playlist this weekend. And I will say it gets a sharky for its genres of music. It's all over the place. So it's not just, uh, the old truck driver, but the new truck driver, anywhere you're from, you're going to, you're going to find a song that you enjoy on there. Uh, we got, you know, Britney Spears made a list, like how much better could it get? Um, and I also <laughs> do, <laughs> I also like that they released with this playlist, a really great driver's story of someone who's gotten, I think, 4 million miles um, of wow. safe driving. But not only that, um, you know, in his uh, podcast with him, he talks about how, you know, just like athletes, a lot of athletes do this, right? He enjoyed watching his film. What Lytics does, right, is the, the video cameras for for his company. So they would always do safety meetings where they would review film. And, and while that might for some people rub wrong, you know, a lot of, that's how athletes get better. It's just watching film every week and finding different ways that they can improve these little techniques that they've you know, maybe developed over time. So mm. um, I, I thought it was a fun, interesting way. I think it's definitely better than just posting out a, no. a thank you. I give them a snarky um, for the playlist, but you know what? I will give them a sharky. <laughs> yeah. I will give them a sharky for honoring the driver. Right. We got a picture of it. It was, uh, what was it? Jan Quinberg, Jan Quarenberg, 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 Quarenberg. Tell us about Jan. Yeah, so uh, six looks like six million miles is what he has, and, wow. and not a single accident, and not even a rear end. So that means he's a defensive driver, which I'm a defensive driver. My mom's actually a driver's ed teacher, so that is like one big thing for me is you know being able to see where accidents often happen and prevent them, be proactive about them. And, you know, it looks like he's hauling a lot of grain, a lot of special products. So it's good to see that these drivers are actually, I think he was a coal mining driver. So making sure that drivers like that are, are, are staying on top of their safety is huge. And again, I love when drivers use their in-cab technology to get better and don't yeah. just look at it as something that's, you know, bro, big brother All right, watching Grace. them. All right, Grace, time to go to the wheel. Center to the wheel. Let's see what we got over there. Let's see what we got over there. She's waxing Grace. poetic over there. Grace, we need an answer to a All stupid right, question. here it is. Here it is. Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> Who is your favorite <laughs> fictional train character? Ooh. Thomas the Tank Engine. That's that's for right, a little sure. basic, a little basic, oh. but hard, yeah, hard, yeah, hard yeah, to come yeah. at the king. Hard to come at the king it, like that. It is. Yeah. He's, he's... All right. Well, Grace, you know, there's a whole other world in the Thomas the Tank Engine uh, societies I learned when I had children. There's not just Thomas. Yeah. He's got like a whole bunch of other oh, friends. No, Henry. Sort of, the whole Henry island of Soda. There you go. Henry, of course. Henry. Well, Henry. Grace, yeah. we got to let you go because we're, we're going to be talking trains now with some great guests. But before we do, let's show a PSA. PSA. So check out Grace Sharkey's logbook. Check out her show, Transmission. And check out this PSA. Crazy little girls together. They just wanted some fun selfies of each other. Three girls having just the time of their life and the light of a train right behind them. That train was two seconds away from them. Once you step onto those tracks, you don't have a choice how it ends sometimes. 
Wow. Well, that's scary. That, those yeah. are always they always get the message across with these Operation Lifesaver ads. Yeah. And right now we have Josh, Van, Josh Vance. He's the senior director of safety and intermodal over at JB Hunt, as, lo, as well as Rachel Malay. She's uh, Operation Lifesaver Inc. executive director over there. Thank you both for joining us on the show today on this. This, this is the kickoff of what National Rail Safety Week, correct? That's right. And I'm uh, pleased to say that I kicked it off today in Wallingford, Connecticut. I'm a Connecticut girl and uh, joined my state coordinator here. We're at the train station and there just might be a train coming by um, while we're on the, uh, on the podcast today. So we'll have wow. to hopefully. Um, yeah. So we had a great press conference this morning. We got a proclamation from the governor. We were joined by our U.S. Uh, senator and ha everyone is uh, really engaged in getting the rail safety message out because safety is everyone's responsibility. Oh, man, it certainly is. And man, when I see those things like those three girls, it makes me so scared. And, and I've never done that, but I could see you as a young kid not paying attention to any of this type of stuff and doing yeah. something really silly like that. Hey, Josh, thank you for joining us, joining us as well. Tell us a little bit about your role over at J.B. Hunt and how it intertwines with rail safety. Sure, absolutely. So my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. I, uh, I'm the Senior Director of Safety at J.P. Hunt, and I am over the intermodal division. So my guys, just over 7,000 drivers, they're on and off of rail yards all day long, every day, crossing dozens of tracks. And so we want to make sure we can get any message we can to them about making sure they're paying attention when they're crossing those tracks, because as we all know, a train's going to win in a competition, uh, even with big trucks. So we're going to make sure we're paying attention out there. So, Joshua, I understand that you've you've got a pretty important reason why this hits uh, home to you and hits you personally, uh, the, the train safety aspect. Can you share that with us? Uh, yeah, I can go into it uh, a little bit briefly. I'm, I'm aware of an individual who was in a tractor and... Um, he crossed over a track and did not see that there was a, um, you know, a, a train coming, a, uh, a non-freight train coming. And unfortunately, there was a contact there. And like I said, when you've got a train and a tractor going up against each other, that train's going to win every time. Oh, so I want to make sure we never see that again. Absolutely. Well, hey, I, I love the background over there that you have over at the train station. What kind of events do you have planned? You, you said some uh, local politicians are going to get involved and in all that kind of thing. So tell us a little bit about the, the themes of Rail Safety Week this year. Sure. So I just want to be clear. Rail Safety Week is not just in Connecticut. It's across the country. Mm. Uh, our California program is actually Rail Safety Month in September. But across the country, we have 46 programs, including the District of Columbia, and every day they're going to be concentrating their efforts. Tomorrow is Operation Clear Track, uh, which is geared towards uh, law enforcement and first responders. And we do that very closely with thanks to our partner at Amtrak. We'll have first responders and law enforcement uh, police at crossings throughout the country. I think the latest number I received this uh, morning was up to 500 municipalities are participating. And the law enforcement first responders will be doing uh, the rail safety message as well as sometimes issuing warnings or even citations. Uh, so that's tomorrow. Later in the week, we have uh, a no selfie day, which is geared towards photographers because we hate to see photos on the train tracks or near the train tracks. If you look closely, you'll notice that I am, when you see a train go by, um, I am very far from the tracks. There's actually even gravel and a chain link fence behind me. Uh, separating me from the track and to my right is uh, 
the actual crossing where the cross buck is and the, the vehicles are crossing and uh, those will activate if a train comes by. You we definitely don't have, want to set a podcast uh, table up on the uh, on the train tracks. No, right? so that, you don't want to do that. That is right. <laughs> no. That's right. But you'd be surprised, right? You know, we have professional photographers who take photo shoots and we do want uh, them to keep themselves as well as their clients safe. We also have a red out for rail safety also later in the day to support rail safety. You just wear any red shirt and, uh, you know, send us a photo or hashtag uh, hashtag rail safety week or rail safe hashtag rail safety or um, see tracks think train and stop track tragedies because as I mentioned you know rail safety is everyone's responsibility but we can make a difference by stopping these track tragedies by educating ourselves our friends and our families yeah so uh, Josh let's talk about some of that a little bit we've got some I mean there's some amazing statistics here and I've got them here if you don't have them off the top of your head like every three hours a person in the United States a person or vehicle is hit by a train every three hours wow 2,100 people are injured or killed annually at crossings. Yeah. Right? And more than 50% of the collisions at, are equipped with lights and rails. So it's not like even those ones where you see where there's no lights or something. You know, every once in a while out in the country, you boonies, you'll see one that doesn't even have the lights. Well, right? But, but Josh, how many, how many of that is trucks, like truck traffic yeah. that's, that's getting uh, caught up in that? So I don't have the exact numbers on uh, the truck events. Um, I know that uh, those things do happen and you know, there are a lot of tractor trailers that are out there on the highways uh, and are crossing off of those highways over railroad tracks, going through rail yards, going through all those different situations. And um, you know, one is too many, whatever the numbers are. Right. Yeah. And so we want to make sure we're getting that word out to everybody, no matter what they drive, no matter who they work for, we want them to be safer on those train tracks. Hey, I got a. Uh, I think we have one more. Uh, we have two more PSAs, but let's take a look at one more PSA now to see what uh, messages they're putting out here. Trains are everywhere. You should always expect one, even on private property. Only cross tracks at designated crossings that fit your equipment. If you don't fit, don't commit. Look, listen, live. Now, Rachel, is that a thing too, where people are like off, like going off road and trying to just make their own way across train tracks, sort of like that video depicted? So we do have incidents where uh, what we call outdoor enthusiasts, right? Snowmobilers, campers, fishermen, mm. you know, they're crossing the tracks at places that are not designated crossings uh, to get to their favorite fishing hole. That is so dangerous. You look at uh, you look at bridges and you may think there's actually a walkway. But when the train's coming through, there is no space for a person. So bridge, a tunnel, a trestle is only meant for uh, a train. So you shouldn't fish from there. You shouldn't jump and swim. Um, taking your snowmobile, it'll get caught on the tracks or finding that campsite. Or I've even heard of uh, hunters setting up on the track because they have a clear line of sight. And that's also not a safe place. So we really want people to only cross uh, either on foot, bicycle or in a vehicle at designated crossings. And in private property, such as farm like that video, to really cross at the designated crossing on that land. Josh, what's really important to impart, apart, impart upon drivers, especially newer drivers who might be, they might be more used to driving like OTR and now they're servicing yeah. ports or rails due to, the, due to the volume. What do you need to let them know and what is unique and very special about servicing rails? For crossing yeah. a track. And, and we want to eliminate distractions. So radios or whatever else is going on in the cab. And then you're going to want to look and listen for a train. 
you don't want to stop too close and you don't want to stop too far away. You don't want that overhang of the, of the train or the overhang of the, of the tractor to be made contact, but you also don't want to be so far back that you can't see. And then it's really important to look in both directions. Um, that train can be come from either, either way. You don't have one way railroad tracks, right? They, they can come from either side. And then um, ultimately they need to know the law. Hazardous materials can get very dicey when you're around railroad tracks. We want to make sure there's no incidents there. And then once you start, don't stop. Get that, tra- get that truck and that trailer clear of, of that railroad crossing before you make any more pauses or do anything else. Just keep going. We have another. That's what we want people to know. Yeah. We have another PSA as well. Let's check that one out. Oh. I thought walking along it would be safe enough, um, but I was wrong. Because I wanted to save those five or 10 minutes now, every morning when I wake up, I have to take 10 to 15 minutes to put on my legs. Using railroad tracks as a shortcut is just not worth it. Well, yeah, uh, Rachel, like what happened there? He just tried to cut between two cars and then just it just started going? Yeah, the train was stopped and uh, he was crawling through uh, the two cars and it started moving. So that's also not a smart thing to do, you know, stay no. away and uh, stay alert and stay alive. And stay yeah, because I imagine that thing start moving. It could be half a mile away when it starts moving and then all of a sudden, you go, boom, it, it hits you. Josh, when when you, right. you know when we were talking to you, Josh, we have this thing up and it shows a track uh, coming across, right? And it's bottom, it's bottoming out yeah. over the rail. How do drivers know that that's going to happen? Are, are there certain rails? Is there something at the railroad crossing that tells you that there's low clearance there, or do they just have to be trained to be able to figure that out, eyeballing it? Uh, have signs that let you know you have low clearance, but ultimately it's the driver's responsibility to know their equipment. Most trucks and trailers don't have super low clearance. You've got nice big tires, you've got high rails, but if you're driving a low boy or you're driving something that has that low clearance, you've got to spend extra time and look ahead and know exactly what that crossing is going to look like. Even go online and check things out on a map before you head that direction and get yourself in trouble. Wow. Imagine those skirt trouble sometimes, right? Yeah. You know, let, before before we let Rachel go and let her give her plugs and everything, we got to send. She's she's new here. We have to send her that real that wheel really quick. So spin that wheel, Michael Vincent. Oh yeah, we did. Spin that wheel. What do we got for her? We got dealer. Oh, dealer shoes. Okay. All right. I'm gonna stay in that theme then. I'm gonna stay in the Thomas the Tank Engine do it, theme because I I'm gonna flex my uh, my my Thomas the Tank en- engine knowledge and we'll see yours as well. So, who is your favorite Thomas the Tank engine narrator and why? Is it Ringo Starr, Alec Baldwin, George Carlin, or Pierce Brosnan, Rachel? So personally, I am a Ringo Starr and George Carlin fan. <laughs> there you um, go. Those are my two favorites. But uh, out of the characters, I'm also a Sir Topham Hat fan. Oh yeah, wow. all right. Sir Topham Hat was pretty cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you with Ringo Starr. Peace and love. Did, Josh, know. you got any opinion on this one? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I haven't spent a whole lot of time watching that, so I think I'm going to bow out gracefully. Hey, you'll never go wrong picking George Carlin. You never go wrong. Hey, when I heard he was going to narrate, I watched it because I was like, what is going to come out (laughs) of his mouth here? What's going to happen here? Well, Rachel, before we let you go, where can people interact with with this uh, this week here and use your resources and get it all together? So the best place is to visit us online at oli.org. You can download a bunch of uh, rail safety information. We do have e-learning 
uh, programs for new drivers, professional drivers, school bus drivers. We also have a curriculum for teachers and parents with remote school now in COVID times. And you can sign up also to be a volunteer and connect with your state coordinator. And again, that's oli.org. Thank you. And I want to thank Josh and uh, JB Hunt for also being such a great partner and for the two of you for having me on the show. <laughs> thank you, Josh. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, JB Hunt. And thank you, Ollie, for, for helping us spread awareness about this week right now. Absolutely. You know, someone who this might also mean a lot to is our next guest. It's Brian uh, Schnedler. He is an agency owner at Smith Eagle Logistics, but he's also got a background actually working on the railroad. Right, Brian? That's right, man. <laughs> All, the for years. All the live long days. All, well, <laughs> All the live long days, man. <laughs> uh, so I got to ask you a question, and I detect a little, uh, a little swagger in your voice. But you said you move rhymes like you move rhymes like freight. My uh, question is: You got any bars? Like, are you were you like the railroad rapper? Does it mean they're heavy and clunky, or does what does that mean? It, yeah, they're mostly heavy and clunky, man. <laughs> I, I, I say that because I worked a lot of nights. On I was an engineer for a long time, so uh, to kind of keep the pep in the step for my guys out there, I would uh, come up with some rhymes, or uh, we we make a uh, a game, you know, all night long about we uh, we called it dirt rock ties instead of paper rock scissors. Oh wow! Oh, I'm pretty undefeated right. in that game, by the way. The, the rocks, paper, scissors one. No, you kick my butt on a regular basis. Well, you have to, you have, do you remember any of the rhymes? Do you remember any like any of the uh, anything you drop on these guys? Oh man, they'd uh, well. I, basically, I would like to make up a lot of stuff. You know, they'd hop on the on the side of the rail cars and they say, "Hey, let's take it ahead about five cars." And I said, "Take it ahead, putting wind in your hair, or stuff like that." You know what I mean? Just just silly things like that. <laughs> well, we can get Kevin Hill out here to beatbox for you if you want to rap oh, a little bit. Yeah. Leave <laughs> you. Hey, I gotta. Well, then let, let, let me ask you something. What What did you do when you were working on the railroad? I know you had like a job as a switcher, but a lot of like freight truck drivers, uh, brokers who may be listening may not even know what a switcher does. So, what did a switcher do? Yeah, I was. A, I, I started off as a switchman in a uh, in an industrial uh, setting. It was a uh, Sunoco, and uh, so basically, when I first got hired on, man, I think I was I was twenty something years old, and it was middle of October, rainy, cold. And I had a, uh, a lady foreman out there that had been railroading about 30-something years already. And I said, hey, did we work out here in the rain? And she said, Junior, this isn't the Cub Scouts. And I remember thinking then, I said, I don't know how long I'm going to last out here. But uh, basically, I started off standing at a switch. And they'd come on the radio and just say, hey, line that switch. We're going to go from track one over here to track two. Um, I did that for a while. kind of worked my way up to becoming a conductor. And uh, one night I was with this guy. We worked together for many years together, and uh, it was raining. He said, hey, Brian, is it raining back there at the end of the train? I said, yeah, it is. Why? What's going on? He says, not up here. And I said, oh, I'll be God. I'm going to go up there and, and become an engineer after that. So I transitioned into a uh, locomotive engineer. Um, it really got in my blood. You know, um, I never cared about trains when I was young. I didn't watch Thomas training when I was a kid. But uh, yeah, I stood next to that locomotive for the first time. It, it really got into me. So it, it became a passion of mine. Um, and I realized in the early stage that safety was number one thing, you know, to have a, a long career out there. Um, yeah, I would imagine. A lot of equipment out there is just, oh, it's just, it's, it's you know, enormous and the power and the weight and everything around you. So you really have to coordinate yourself and, and understand what you're doing before you do it. Yeah, you've got to become aware of just how big, heavy, strong that type of stuff is. But, hey, so you were a train master. You were Sir Topham Hat for a little while there at an auto facility, and you witnessed a few derailments yeah. over there. What do you do when they when they derail? You just say, ah, forget it and go build somewhere else because they're too heavy to get back on the track? What what happens? <laughs> 
I wish it was that easy to just say forget it and move on, but uh, uh, unfortunately, it does cause quite a bit of delay. Um, it can cause major congestion in the rail yard that receives uh, the inbounds and outbounds of those things. Uh, so typically, uh, auto facilities, you know, they have those long trains that come in. They're they're called unit trains, so they have anywhere between eighty to something, you know, hundred something rail cars on there. Um, you know, unfortunately, though, when they do derail. It it kind of it, it slows service down quite a bit, so they have to come in uh, with gigantic booms and all that stuff, you know, clean up the whole mess, get it re-railed, and, and you know, and really, it's it's quite amazing to watch those crews go out there and work, especially the track crews. Those guys, you know, we can brag about as railroaders, we do it day and night and and work all night, but those guys work days at a time to make sure that they get the the service back, and you know, because it's a it's a vital part of the of the whole transportation world, so. You know, I give a lot of kudos to those guys who who have been in for many years, but uh, it causes many delays and it can it can hiccup a lot of things along the way for sure. Yeah, dude, are you ever trying to put a Lionel train back on the tracks? Get all the wheels back on it. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to ask him. <laughs> like, hard, man. I was going to ask. A hard I was going to in, in the event. Like, first of all, what causes most uh, derailments? And in the events of derailment, is it mostly just you know clear the tracks and sort everything out after the fact? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, a lot of things can cause derailments. Um, majority of it is probably you know either human can you know factors or track conditions itself um i know um you know one of the last derailments that i seen in the rail facility that i was over is uh you know where we come down a main line and we lined a switch that kind of went down a curve well the the points of those switches they don't close all the well and it had a little bit of a gap and as we were backing into this facility the wheels kind of went in that little gap and then next thing you know uh, a set of truck wheels were going down this way and then we had another one come this way so it kind of turned sideways literally hmm. and it just i remember watching that and they just started falling over one by one and they had a bunch of these brand new cadillac escalades in there i mean i was just thinking like oh my goodness like that's gonna be a mess wow wow so uh brian uh canadian southern um well, they <laughs> they already picked. They picked. They, I mean, picked they the did already thing. pick. You're right. You're yeah, right. You yeah. absolutely did. So did let's talk pick, about the yeah. holiday season and what's going on here. How how is rail going to work throughout the Man, holiday you know, season uh, with all this fun? Well, you know, server me- service metrics have been you know struggling in in all aspects of of transportation, especially since the the pandemic. Um, uh, one thing I will say, you know, then I can proudly say is that I'm very uh, biased when it comes to railroad and uh, and the industry itself because I think the major thing that we stand upon is the resiliency that we've always exuberated out of that because, you know, we, um, we are basically the backbone of, of the whole world there. I think in this nation, I think, uh, so, I mean, we, we really pride ourselves on being able to, to service our customers and, and make sure that the freight's getting for where it needs to be. And, and just like, you know, Sir Topham Hat was, I was going to mention, that's probably one of my favorite characters because, you know, his thing was always, Hey, you're causing confusion and delay. Um, that was one thing that was really hard for me to transition from the rail industry over into the the freight brokerage world is like uh, the negotiations and time it takes to, you know, with carriers and the shippers. And it's like, I, I don't get it. I just want to move this freight because if the wheels aren't turning, nobody's making any money, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's a different world. Um, but again, I mean, we're alongside everybody in this together. I mean, I know from, you know, the cargo vessels down to the drayage. And into the trucking world. I mean, everyone's struggling right now, just trying to make sense of it. But I, I definitely feel like, uh, you know, we'll, the rail industry will probably keep up with it. I don't think it'll make an impact. It'll probably be a few more months or even another year or so before this whole thing gets straightened out. 
Yeah, well, Brian, you catch you you watch a lot of like train content. You watch a bunch of train movies. Like one of the ones that that comes to mind for me is is Nonstop. <laughs> it was the one with like Denzel Washington where the train is just like going through towns yeah. and they're trying to make it scary that like this train can't stop and they're yeah, like yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know the crossers might not come down. I don't know why the crossers were always were also bro- how realistic was Nonstop? Uh, I think it, you know I think there was a few things here and there that kind of you know veered away from it but i think it, for the most part it was it was definitely on there um i think the issue with that locomotive itself is that uh you know we had one i think there was a locomotive on on the rear of the train and then you had another one and it's it, you know you can kind of radio sync them to where if you're you know moving the locomotive on the lead the rear motor will kind of react with that you know so it's it's a it's called distributed power it's kind of like a remote control thing and i think uh, that locomotive was stuck in that 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 concept of it. So when somebody else is moving another train or the locomotive, it kicked that one in and that's what happened. So wow. I mean, that's, that's very realistic. If you, if you don't follow the process and, and go with the flow chart on, you know, breaking them things apart, that's, that's definitely where you can deal with. Hmm. Well, I apologize, Denzel and nonstop. I, you know, next I'm going to watch that. I think it's on prime. I'm going to watch that again in a, in a more serious light now, now that I know that there's actually a sense of realism to it. Brian, um, we do have to go now, but people who want to reach out to you, connect and continue a conversation with you, where do I send them? Oh man, you can uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. I utilize that a lot. Uh, I go by the hashtag railroad sensei, um, that, or you can uh, contact me at beach and other at Smith Eagle logistics. Uh, I don't only, you know, do the freight brokers. Like I said, I'm involved with anything, transportation, anything real. Um, it's, it's a very big passion of mine. And, uh, and like I said, I really like to, uh, you know, thank you guys for having me here. I'm very humbled and honored. Uh, I watch your guys at show all the time. So it's, it's fantastic awesome. to be a part of this and a part of the lineup. So thank you so much for hosting me. And, um, uh, and especially, uh, I'd like to, you know, you asked about the uh, coffee thing. I know on the, on the bulletins, but, uh, you know, Sean Barner, that guy up here in Kansas City, he's he's an amazing guy. That guy has put together so many things. Um, he's a, he's an outgoing guy. He's he's got a lot out here. So, uh, Sean Barner is a is a pillar, I think, in this in this part of the the world that I'm in. And Excellent. I look forward to you know working with him and a lot of the guys. Very cool, so Brian. Thank you so much for your very cool, time, Brian. Guys. We 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 are at you time of segment though. Thank you very much for joining us. All right, time for a little big deal, little deal. Big deal. Little deal. All right, what do we got? First one. All right, since May of this year, U.S. Customs and Border Protection officers at Indianapolis have seized 990. Take a look at these things. 991 oh. counterfeit championships rings from all the major sport leagues, as well as collegiate championship rings. On August 15th, CBP officers in Indianapolis added 213 more rings to their collection, bringing their total to 1,204 counterfeit championship rings in four months. They almost have as many as Bill Belichick. Big deal, little deal. <laughs> Dude, I don't know. They got an Indians uh, World Series championship ring there. I, I might want to find out one of the Brown Super Bowl in there. I think it's a big deal, man. You can't let these things into country. What, what's going to happen? But it's going to be chaos. It's going to be mad chaos. I mean, all of a sudden, what, what are we going to buy some championship rings and then we're just going to declare uh, what? Uh, the mocks? Division well, the first hint might be that you're buying a championship ring instead of winning it yourself. Like if you're yeah, in an exactly alley and right. a guy's like pulling up in his trench coat and he's like, <laughs> You know, we can't have kid. that, man. You got to stop that type of kiss stuff. Kiss the rings, kiss the fake rings, Bill Belichick. <laughs> I think it's wrong, man. I think it's a huge. I disagree. What do you got? I got. It. I think it's terrible. Okay, all right. An Indiana man who continually called nine one one to announce that he was tired will now be spending two months in county jail, sixty days, according to court records obtained Friday by the smoking gun. Daniel Schroeder, sixty one, was taken into custody Tuesday night in connection with four calls he made that evening, stating he was tired. So they arrested. 
arrested him and gave him some rest in the county jail. Big deal. Or a little deal. Or a little deal. Dooner? Dooner. <laughs> uh, it is. <laughs> well, um, not. <laughs> okay, it's a big deal, but not because of what this guy did. And when you just, if you just see the headline, you go, Indiana man jailed for calling 911 because he was tired. It's yeah. like, yeah, well, maybe he should have. Right. He's like harassing. But it really sounds like maybe he was this, tired. this guy has a substance abuse problem. In, in May of this year, he got drunk and was dr- he was driving through a graveyard and he smashed through uh, four headstones. <laughs> Um, early, he'd already been cited about calling. He was, he was sitting that his family wasn't following his rules. So he was calling 911 on them. I, don't, I think it's a big deal because I don't see what putting him in, in the pokey is going to do for what seems like a substance abuse issue. So I wish our country focused on that. Yeah, I, I'm 100% with you. You can't be. You've got to take a little deal. Uh, oh, I do. Oh, it's a, it's, you said it was a big deal? Yeah. Uh, let the guy. I, okay, I'll take the little deal then. I can argue this side. Okay. Uh, this guy, I want to party with this guy. Yeah. This guy looks like a lot, a lot of fun. Right. I mean, drunk driving through a cemetery. What's that? That doesn't hurt anybody. You get another. Maybe night. he was tired. And I'll tell you what. Sometimes I want to call nine one one and have somebody help me out when my family members are not following my rules. It would be helpful. It would be It'd very be helpful. Somebody could come over and help me out. Yeah. All right. Well, Yahoo Finance reporter Brian Shawing, he uh, witnessed the altercation between a truck driver and another motorist. Take a look at this video right here. So there's this truck here is beeping at this guy. They're in New York. They're in traffic. The SUV. I don't know if the light turned green. No one else is moving, right? No. This guy's already in the crosswalk, so I doubt he wants to go any further. He gets out of his truck and he just starts dancing. He's going like he just, he, you know, he's looking like he just got a frag in Fortnite, dancing over the body. <laughs> And he's showing the guy what his moves are. It's awesome. And the truck is just, the trucker is looking at this guy. <laughs> Look he, at him. He's, got, he's going through all the different dances, too. He's got a bunch of the Fortnite ones. And the thing is, too, apparently, the guy who took the video, right, the Yahoo yeah. Finance reporter, he, <laughs> he contacted this guy who's dancing in the street. And the guy who's dancing in the street connected with the truck driver, and I guess they're buddies now. Yeah, <laughs> it's awesome. He said, I wasn't slow at all, bro. He big, honked soon. He's getting sturdy with it by his own comments. Big deal, little deal. I think that it's a very little deal and it's very humorous. I it, think it's awesome. It's a huge deal as a certified <laughs> mass hole. When that light turns green, you move or you're getting my horn. And if you're going to be so sensitive that you have to dance every time you hit, you hear a horn, you're not going to make it in the big city. You're not going to make it in New York because people are going to be beeping at you all the time. And what are you going to do? Keep dancing? Actually, yeah, that sounds pretty good. Keep dancing, everybody. We'll see you Friday. Peace and love.